Pickaxe. Hello and welcome to the Eurogamer Newscast and this week we're discussing the biggest Xbox leak in history. We're looking ahead to the Switch 2's potential launch lineup. We're asking why there are so many industry layoffs. Or at least that's what I would be saying. If you're listening to the Eurogamer Newscast, hello, I'm Tom, Eurogamer's editor and host of our weekly discussion podcast where we break down the biggest gaming news stories and share insight from our news reporting team. Head to your favorite podcast app now to listen. Just search Eurogamer Newscast. Hello, everybody. It's Billy here from the Review of Death. Hope you're doing well. Just a quick heads up that the last seven minutes of this week's episode of the Review of Death, a Doctor Who podcast, suffers from a quite obvious change in audio. Basically, what happened was the microphones that we usually record out of stopped recording and we've had to take the audio from the cameras that were recording us in the room to kind of finish off the whole thing. It's not that bad. It's noticeable, but it's not that bad. Um, But we just wanted to let you all know before the episode begins. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Review of Death, your fortnightly Doctor Who podcast where we talk about everything that's been happening in the world of Doctor Who in the past fortnight, as well as reviewing a particular story, whether it's from the classic series, the new series, or if the programme's on the air, the, the current new series. series. The I know. new, new series. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and the episodes that we're reviewing are generally considered to not be brilliant. I mean, we've taken them from the bottom of the 2014 Doctor Who magazine poll. That's right. Which ranked every TV story up to that point. So I think it goes right up until time of the Doctor. Yeah. And obviously, you know, as we, we've done this for a little while on, on YouTube, as some people know, and we've reviewed a, most of the last we've five done years. We've all of Capaldi and Whitaker, and Whitaker so, so we, far. we don't need to go over that quite yet. So. No. It leads us into talking about stories like The Twin Dilemma, which we're going to do today. Yes. More on that later. But, but have we got any news? Uh, Has well, anything happened in the last fortnight? Well, our podcast launched. It did. So thank you all so much for the response to that. Thank you it was very much. Nuts. It was incredible. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And and I can't stop refreshing the charts yes. to see where we've where come. Where we've gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means, but Not I know me. that we were big in Israel for about three days. Oh, massive in, Israeli fans. I know. <laughs> Tel Aviv is popping. Um, yeah, so... Uh, it's because they've got all of the uh, missing episodes over there and they're just... H- hiding in a vault and they're yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, sitting on Marco let's Polo. Do, let's do a deal. Get us the top of TV and film in in Israel, and then you know you can send us a couple of reels to have a look at, yeah. and we'll we'll do an exclusive Exclu- review. Yeah, exclusive uh, of Web of Fear episode of three. It. We could just play. I was going to say we could just play snippets of it, but then being an audio based podcast. That wouldn't help because we have all the soundtracks. We'd have to play it. We'd have to project it on no, the wall that, over there. That would be the rub. Yeah. It's like, we've got the episodes, but you're just going to hear the and film like, reels oh, this that is we've just got. just the soundtracks. We've had these for years. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for yes, that. Thank it was, you. It was, it was crazy. And we, we've got like merchandise available now. If you guys want to have a look at our represent store, there's links for that in the description down below. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. But news, yeah. So, I mean... The first Doctor Monsters, we can talk about that, the action figures, the Sensorites yeah, I mean, and the Vords. They're not out yet, still. Uh, they're not out in stores yet? Not yet, no. There's what? been a delay of... I don't I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Oh. Um, but I saw... This isn't from any official source. This just comes from some Facebook group that said... I think the guy works at B&M, and I think there's just been some sort of delay getting the lorries in right. with the toys. Okay. I don't know. It's all a bit weird. I don't know. Blame Brexit. Yeah, why not? Um, or the Suez Canal business. Okay. <laughs> We've come a long way. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, you, you love them. 
Oh you? yeah, my god, you know, plug for my reviews on this channel. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, Obviously. Yeah, they're brilliant. Uh go check them out. Well, I say go check them out, they're not in the shops yet, but when you when, when, when you they can are in the shops, them, which and they them. won't be around for long, no, but you know. No, they sell out quick, I'm sure. Um New Ninth Doctor set. Yeah, I've started listening to that. Responsible calls. Um I haven't started it, I haven't downloaded yeah. it yet. It's um, good. I'm I'm enjoying it more so than Ravagers. Mm-hmm. I say more so, a, a lot more so. A lot more so. Um it's more I mean I've only listened to the first one. Mm. And it just felt far more uh, sort of based in reality, kind of like a lot of Russell T. Davies stuff. It felt very much of that era. Okay. You know, very um, domestic. Kitchen sink sort of thing. Very kitchen sink drama, domestic, police, family, troubles. Yeah, really, really good. Nice little story. I I didn't know anything about the story behind it. So I'm um, I'm glad I heard that. And it isn't like... It's not like Ravages, where it was like, this is all one big story. Mm. It is three separate, separate stories, stories, which I much prefer. I are think they, that works And there's better. no through line, or are they... Uh, not that I've seen okay. yet, but I've only listened to the first one. So. And of course, we've got the Cybermen. We've got the Cybermen in the next up. one. What did you think of the The new design. design. I think they look great. Mm. I really, really like them, because they've got the proper old school bodysuits and stuff, and the chest pieces. It's a nice, like, fusion of... Yeah of classic to new yeah but it's got enough of a classic throwback that you know sad gets like us uh, uh, wetting ourselves <laughs> yeah, over them yeah yeah which is really nice um there was a new press photo of 13 years and dan oh yeah the graffiti, the graffiti one. one yeah which yeah, looked yeah quite nice yeah and it just makes you think here against this wall <laughs> against this wall it, it just makes you think god like can we just have that a little bit more often i know it was just, just, li- just it, little it, things I, and it came out of nowhere didn't it I it was just like oh here they are. Oh, it was, was like, a nice oh, surprise. It was a nice surprise. But, like, should we be surprised by, like, things like that? Zero context as yeah. to what's going on. It's just them in character. Yeah. In costume. But, of course, this is all part of some wider um, media thing about right. Find the Doctor So, hashtag. I don't know anything about this. Neither do I. I just saw it blow up suddenly on social media, on Twitter. And I was just like, oh, okay. There's not been, like, an, a, a, like a press release saying, oh, this thing is happening is just randomly people are like, oh, have you seen these reviews on Google? The doctor's yeah. trying to tell us something. It's like, what? I think it's it's kind of the most interesting thing yeah. in a long time. Yeah. Like, just in, not you know, not just in terms of the marketing for the show, but just the show in general. It's yeah. like, whoa, like, somebody's thinking about all yeah. of this, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that the people that work on it don't think about cool things and, you know, some are probably rebuffed and some don't oh, happen course. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting i'm yeah. just i'm enjoying watching people, people who are more yeah you know uh, have got more time on their hands than me maybe. yeah exactly it's not i mean obviously we're also not really based in the right place because i think it is all sheffield based a lot of it i think oh. Oh, I, well I, I think so there was something at a museum and i think that was up north and there was they had the sonic screwdriver in a glass case and no. it was yeah 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 and it was done like oh this is made from sheffield still but you know we don't Origin know what it unknown is. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's like, so that really cool. cool i saw the google reviews for the flats yes and the photo was of the tardis on google um, street view or something yes yeah yeah so yeah I'm, I, it's really cool yeah i really like it and i'm gonna enjoy watching everybody else do the hard work yes and then i'll enjoy you know it afterwards a bit like time lord victorious i suppose yeah i got an email today from doctor who worlds apart or whatever it's called oh yeah that um nft trading card thing oh god the bloody and digital yeah only. Oh, and they're just like they've now just gone Get your Time Lord Victorious frames or whatever around the cards. It's a bit late, guys. It, that like, is very late. I, I want to know, has anybody... If you're watching 
My God, could you imagine if, what, like four to 5,000 people watched the first one? Yeah. Is there one person out of that group that will admit to having... Played that game. Played that game or... paid money to get a card. Yeah, invested in these digital cards. I I don't know the first thing about NFTs and all that kind of stuff. No, me neither. But I'd be really interested to see if any, but no judgment, you know, if you've done it, it, maybe it's like a scam. (laughs) It feels like a scam, but maybe that's because we don't know anything about it, but it probably is a scam. (laughs) The Web of Fear reconstruction came out. I was thinking the web planet then. I was like, "What? why have they reconstructed <laughs> that? Um, yes, Web of Fear. I've not watched it. I don't own it. I didn't buy no. it. Um, I mean, I, and I, I mean, I, 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 this feels really mean because it feels like I'm kicking a man while it's down because, you know, they just, <laughs> it just, it just didn't look very good. No. It just didn't look very good. And I, I think it's so difficult doing that kind of 3D animation. Yeah. And in that art style, yes, I think we might have said this last week. And there was a there was there was a thing on Facebook. Did you see the the documentary clip on Facebook? And I, I feel me saying this, but it was like something out of uh, a screen wipe, or really like a Philomena Kunk. Really, because the the guy, the director, I don't know who he who he is. Um, and obviously, you know, fair play to them for for doing this stuff. Thank you, but but. <laughs> he was talking about, oh, you know, it was all motion capture to try and get the actions and the movements as realistic as possible. And, and then he cut to the footage <laughs> and they were there like, like Jerry Anderson puppets moving around. Oh, and I was like, no. oh no, this is beyond parody, surely. No. Um, and I mean, I, I feel horrible. And I, 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 I you know, they, they turn around and they say stuff like, oh, you know, this could be uh, an avenue that we go down to animate stories that we've been told are sort of unanimatable on the budget that we currently have because we've been told oh we, everybody's heard yeah the crusade is really difficult to do because yeah. of the costume changes same with marco polo and blah 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 exactly so they sort of said you know if we just have a person as a rig and we can just swap the skins i guess then that makes things a hell of a lot easier and yeah that's fine i guess but i just think if you're gonna do a seven part epic like marco polo or even a, a, a smaller one like the myth makers and how long have people waited for stories like that and then you have to watch that yeah you know there needs to be more money if this was just the prototype mm. if this was just like okay let's see how we go on a very small budget mm. And then for a proper release, we'll do, oh, four episodes, but we'll yeah. put more money into it and polish it up. Do you know what? I think, I think the Web of Fear is probably the perfect episode to do that with if it is a prototype, yeah. because it's still so fresh, the excitement of seeing it yes. and having it on physical media. And there's only one episode missing from it. Yeah. And I don't mind watching the Telesnap reconstruction for it. No. I mean, God, I sat through the Telesnap reconstruction of um, bloody faceless ones when we yeah, reviewed yeah. that, yeah, you know, yeah. and, I, and that was fine. Yeah. Um, so I think I can do one episode yeah. of Telesnaps for the Web of Fear. Um, but I think the reaction to it has been so overwhelmingly negative. Yeah. I can't really speak. I've seen clips. We've all seen the clips. We yeah. know roughly what it looks yeah. like. Um, but I can't really comment on it fully because I haven't seen the whole thing. Um, but I think the reaction to it has been so negative that if they did say we're going to do... Dalek's master plan like this I think people would just have a fit <laughs> I think, like, I don't, think don't bother. there'd be a proper yeah. actual boycott of it because I've seen people saying you know don't support this stuff because if you if you buy it they'll yeah. think people want this yes exactly and I get that argument yeah um, so 
But then again, at the same time, you don't want to sound like a dick because there's a lot of work that Precisely. people have put into I mean, this, you, you know, know, I didn't, I didn't buy it because I saw the animation and thought, oh, this doesn't look great. I didn't buy it just because I thought, well, I've bought this story already. Yeah. I can live without seeing the reconstruction. God, what a sap I am for buying that remastered Power of the Daleks. <laughs> I feel like such an idiot now you said thought, that. Oh, well, season five of the collection will come out at some point. <sighs> I'll just, it'll be on there. Exactly. Um, and by, to be honest, by that point, they might have even tweaked it and mm. zhuzhed it up. Mm. It'll be the, well, that'll be the second special edition version of that story. <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah. talking of the collection sets... Anything you want to ask me, Matthew? Oh, yeah. What was it like filming um, some uh, of the VAM well, for uh, one of the sets? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, life-changing moment. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm above all of this now. So, you know, this might be the last episode. I'll just go off and spend a weekend with Chris Chapman every week filming. What, what is uh, Toby Haydoke's sandwich order? It's prawn mayonnaise. Oh! <laughs> Did you think that I was going to say that? I didn't think you were going to say that. I thought you were just going to laugh, but okay. No, it's prawn mayonnaise, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I was running on it. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been a runner for five years. I'm not saying that to sort of go like, <laughs> I'm above all this, but you know, I haven't done it for a long time and it was a bit knackering, but yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So look forward to that coming out whenever it comes out yeah. on whatever set it comes out on. Everybody, yeah of like, course you can't say anything as soon as I posted the photo or like said oh, I did it Everyone. um, everyone's in my DMs going like oh you know oh that's great <laughs> that sounds fantastic and then trying to just like sneakily just sandwich it compliment what is yeah. it compliment and I'm like oh cheers thanks yeah and it was good fun I can't you know I can't I can't say but it was uh, it was it was great it was really cool so uh, it was the series one set uh, he was with Christopher Eccleston and Billy yeah. Piper uh, um, we, we were talking about a flaming sofa which was yeah yeah um people who know that reference know that reference so today we're going to talk about the twin <laughs> dilemma that's as excited as i will get for this story don't make me please um so we've let, both let me get my notes out yeah we've both watched the twin dilemma as voted for by you lovely people or should we even be nice to them and I don't call know. them I don't lovely know if people we can thank these people for no this. um now the only other 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 Colin related thing we've reviewed in the past, besides um, dimensions in time, obviously, yeah, uh, is uh, the Trial of a Time Lord, which we did at we did, didn't we? At Phantom, Fan- a Phantom event, yeah, uh, Pandorica, that's right, in Bristol, which was great, um, and I really really liked going back and watching that because it was I like ju- that story. It's it's a, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's you right, know, it's, yeah. it actually has a bit of a bounce to it, and it feels like they've hit a bit of a rhythm and. Colin's obviously fantastic, but there is a real kind of melancholy, I feel, watching it. Because as you get yeah. further and further towards the end, you think, I've only got another like 25 minutes left with this doctor. Yeah. And then he disappears. Yeah. And that's really sad. And it's so unceremonious as well. You know, I know. There's no, there's no grand build up nope. like to any other doctor leaving. It is just. Carrot that, juice, carrot that, juice, carrot that's juice. That's it, and he's just gone. And then he whacks his head on the side of the console, falling <laughs> off an exercise bike and becomes Celeste McCoy. <laughs> hey! Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really like the Sixth Doctor. Same. Love him. I love Colin. Yeah. And I will say from the outset, Colin Baker's the best thing in this. Yes, definitely. By that a was, that long, is, long way. That is my uh, f- third or fourth point, yeah. Yeah. Steals every scene. Steals every scene he's yeah. in. And... This is, you know, it's very difficult talking about this story because it is so disliked. Yes. 
And I know that that period was difficult for the people working on it. Yeah. And I know that even fans talking about it in a sort of throwaway manner can dredge up negative feelings about working yeah. on the show at that time. And I, and I completely understand that. And this is not a place to be dredging up bad vibes. No, of course. So this is no reflection on any individual who worked on it. Certainly not Colin, certainly not Nicola. No. Um, but The Twin Dilemma is the worst episode of Doctor Who ever made. Do you really think so? I think it is. Really? Gosh. I, I Mainly because, and we'll get onto it a little bit later, but the things it does introduce where you think, oh, seconds later it fucks it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a shame. It's such a shame. I, um, I that's my one swear out of the way. I get you what you're saying, yes. Um, it, and it's so disappointing. And... Because I was watching it. I was watching it last night. And thank God I took a break between parts two and three. Because I needed to just kind of like step away from it and go, oh, I'm getting so irritated watching oh, this really? story. Because it, everything it does wrong. I think it just, it, I mean, that's not totally fair. I think, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But I mean, what are your general... So, I mean, I went into it thinking to myself, all right, obviously we all know the 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 connotations this story has within fandom of being utter crap. Mm. You know, it has been voted the worst Doctor Who story for years. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with that mindset. You know, if ever I do a marathon or whatever, it's always the story that I sort of put on and I switch off and do anything else. You have to get through it. Yeah. Lie back and think of Caves of Anvisani. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I thought, no, I'm going to put all that out of my head. I'm going to try and watch it fresh uh as if i was watching it for the first time in 1982 or whatever year it is 83 you're um, making it harder for yourself in yeah that, i know in that probably, space. And, and the thing is the trouble with this story is that it comes after caves of androzani which is of course one of the best doctor who's for various reasons just as a script as a production it just looks very fresh and very new graham harper is a very new up-and-coming director he does lots of things that haven't been done before in doctor who at that point it just feels very different from anything that comes before that story and then certainly that comes afterwards so you have that sort of tour de force story and then you cut back to the twin dilemma which is just the direction is i didn't look up who directed it well that was one of my notes actually but go on the direction is flat as a pancake it, there is nothing particularly interesting done. It's just, yeah, cut to this, cut to that, cut to this wide, cut to this. And of course, that is the way the television was made. But when you have just come off of Caves of Androzani, where you've got Graham Harper like bringing the camera in really close and doing lots of interesting angles and stuff, and you know he's directing from the floor, unheard of in television at that point. You know, everyone's up in the gallery, not him. The the dynamism of that story you really want it for this one as well because, you know, you're introducing a new Doctor. You're really trying to sell this character, you know, before we even get into the what they do with the Doctor's character in this story. Because there's a lot to There's a lot to unpack there. And then it's just like, it looks awful d- just as a production. There are very few things, I feel terrible saying this, but there are very few things that look good about it. Obviously, Colin's costume, well, we all, we all know... Everyone hates Colin's costume. Colin hated his costume. I, I don't mind it. I don't I, mind it. I don't mind it's it. It's grown on me over the years. Yeah. I think the problem with it 
is that you've got him in that outfit, then Perry comes out I in know. an equally weird, not particularly pleasant and then outfit. Lang. And then they're bloody Lang, yeah. He's like, hmm, my costume's been destroyed. I have a massive wardrobe here. I wonder what I should choose. Maybe oh, uh, maybe a jacket, maybe a jumper. Oh, no, I'll go for the sparkly sequined <laughs> multicolored oh, monstrosity. It's like, it's like some 90s shell suit. It you is know, it's ridiculous. The worst. But the, 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 the thing I think is actually interesting about that, and I'm just thinking of this on the fly, maybe they dressed them, Nicola and, is it Kevin McNally in that yeah, story? Yeah, yeah that badly to draw attention away from Colin. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Lang, Lieutenant Lang, looks He is the worst dressed in the story. Yeah. Than Colin. Yeah, yeah. That is that is the epitome of bad taste. <laughs> Colin looks pretty normal. <laughs> which is I don't think anyone has ever said this. But I think that's because it's the silhouette of Colin. Looks great. Yeah. It's just the colour of it. Yeah. Like like the it's kind of like an Edwardian showman yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. thing. And it, that yeah, really that was, suits him. Yeah. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with the cut of it. No. There's nothing wrong with the type of frock coat he's wearing no, or no, the waistcoat no. or the cravat. No. It's just the colour of it. Yeah. And, you know, I love seeing those edits where people will put, uh, recolour it. Yeah, yeah. Or even yeah. the blue one. Yeah, the Which big we obviously one. got with yeah. big finish and real time and so on. Um, yeah. Now, interesting you mentioned the direction. Yeah. Um. It was directed by Peter Moffat. Peter Moffat, of course it was, yes. Who's just come off of The Five Doctors. Yeah. The year before. Yeah. And you, so what's happened? I mean, they all admit the script's rubbish. And you, you can't do, a, if the material is crap. Yeah. You know, like, you had, you know, Bob Holmes writing The Caves Around Rosani. Yeah. That script is obviously dynamite. Yeah. And that will help infer the director. And, and like you say, Graham Harper is a great director within his own right. I'm not saying that Peter Moffat No, I isn't. mean, I, I like Peter Moffat's stories generally. I, I, like we exactly. said, Five Doctors, State of Decay. I love State of Decay. Uh, that is a really good looking story, it looks isn't great. it? Yeah. And I think this is the thing. I think the, the sets don't look particularly it's awful. exciting. I think I wrote that the design is just like the, horrendous. The, the house, story. the kid's house uh, oh. is just... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's just appalling. Um, I feel terrible. We're using some horrible words. Well, look, let's let's start from scratch. Okay, okay. so we've got the idea. We're not going to be praising <laughs> this story, but we've it's got some it. details. Let's go through it kind of chronologically. Um, as I as I like to do, I've done this for live events before, but I thought I'd give a bit of kind of pop culture context as to what's going on at the time, <laughs> just to kind of you know. If this is what Doctor Who looks like, what does everything else look like at the time? Because yeah. that's, you know, it's interesting yeah. to see what's going on in the public consciousness. Uh, do you want to guess what the number one single was in the UK? March 1984? Oh, I don't know. Kim Chameleon. Hello by Lionel Richie. Oh, really? So we're not, you know, in, yeah. the, in the depths of despair when it comes to <laughs> culture at the time. Uh, UK number one box office. Oh, we are now, actually. Yeah, Terms of Endearment with Shirley MacLaine and Jack Nicholson. Right. Um, and a movie called Yentl, which was produced, oh, yeah. written, directed, and starring by Barbara Streisand. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ghostbusters would become the biggest f- film of the year, uh, right. grossing in the UK. That was uh, released in December. Right. And This Is Spinal Tap had just come out in okay. the States as well. Right. So, you know, it's not a bad year for stuff. No. When I was <laughs> just talking to <laughs> I know. I've done a little bit of research for the next episode for uh, Underworld. Underworld. And there's, you know, a big thing that's happened around that time, which is pretty massive. Oh, yeah. Um, it kind of culturally. Yeah. Um, but is besides. It the biggest indie film that was ever made. I think it's something like that. Yeah. A, a shite hope, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no hope at all. Uh, but yeah, it's. Um, it's. Uh, 
there's nothing else going on. <laughs> there's nothing. Star Wars came out at the perfect. I'll ruin it. It's Star Wars, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. that came out just before Underworld came out. Um, nothing. God, that's at, such bad timing. I know, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it the worst? Uh, also, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text adventure had just been released oh. by Infocom around the time that uh, uh, this came out, and Miss Pac-Man won Console Video Game of the Year. Oh. Um, in terms of notable events around this time, this is ju- just to paint. This is the world that the people are living in yes. when this story comes on television. I think this is what the collection sets do well. Is I, when you have all those news items and stuff, it really does give you a flavour of what stuff was like. And one thing that I, I lament is on the season 12 box set, you had that wonderful um, documentary, which was all about television. Right. What was, that, well, what was, on, what was going on in television mm. and in the world at that mm. time. And then they said, oh, we can't do them anymore yeah. because something to do with the rights issues with clips and stuff. I guess it's rights, yeah. And it's like, oh, that was such a shame. I loved that. It was really interesting to see. Because, you know, as Doctor Who fans, we just see all this stuff in like a little microcosm of its own. It's just like, this is a crap story exactly. from the 80s. But it's interesting to see, oh, okay, what was going on? Well, it's not a very happy time, no. I have to say. So just prior to the transmission of the Twin Dilemma, British coal miners start striking okay, against yeah. coal mines being shut down. So that's yeah. obviously in the public consciousness and everyone's feeling pretty crap about that. So that strike began on the 6th of March. Yeah. And this is the 22nd of March. Okay. So that's really raw. And obviously we'll continue for a oh long God, time. Oh my God, the Twin and- Dilemma was broadcast over my birthday. Was it? Yeah, if I had been born in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> Truly cursed. Um, a week later, Jerry Adams is shot. Right. Sinn Féin leader. So it's, it's all kicking off. Yeah. You know, it's not a particularly yeah, happy time. Um, two days later, CIA station chief William Francis Buckley, based in Beirut, is kidnapped by Hezbollah and dies in captivity. And on the day part Did one... Did they show him to <laughs> I'm so sorry I shouldn't have said that. I think there is a bit of a hex because uh, on the day part one was broadcast, seven people were charged with satanic ritual abuse at a preschool in California. Oh my God. So I think there is a bit of a hex on this story to say to say the least. Um, so that's that's what people were waking up to the morning that the Twin Dilemma oh. came out. Also, we should say this is the last story to be broadcast twice weekly. Yes. Starting with Castrovalva, Doctor Who was, was it, Always Thursdays and Fridays, or was it Mondays and Tuesdays to start with? Uh, or pass. I have a feeling there was like, a, I don't know. Yeah, it, like was, it was something like that, wasn't it? But um, so part one, Thursday, part two, Friday, yeah. and then you wait for part three the next Thursday and part yeah. four the next Friday. Now, watching this story, it's really interesting you were mentioning, you know, how much of a breath of fresh air that Caves of Androzani seems. Yeah. Doesn't this feel like a really crap 70s story. It, just the pacing of it. Yeah, it it's feels just, like we've like, gone back in time. I'm expecting Nick Courtney to walk through the door and go, now, Doctor, what's all this yeah, business yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, it's yeah. so, like, I'm not saying those stories are flat or bad or anything no. from the 70s. It's one of my favourite eras in the show. But I think when you've just come off of the back of something like, you've had Resurrection of the Daleks, which yeah. is, like, massively good. Yeah. You've then, okay, you've got Planet of Fire, which is poo, but it looks nice because they've shot it in Lanzarote, so it looks like there's a bit of money in it, mm-hmm. and you've got someone like Peter Wingard in it, so it's like... A big guest star sure. and then you have caves and then you have this and this is the season finale i know you know which is caves un- part four was last friday yeah like you know, it's unheard of to do to, to have to introduce your doctor at the end of the season mm. um i mean obviously i know pat Troughton comes into season four yes um that's the only other time that's the only other time but he has a few stories oh i suppose if uh, Christmas Invasion counts as part of season series one's oh, production yeah. block. That Technically, might be, yeah, that might count as yeah. well. Obviously, the benefit of that was that it wasn't a pile of crap. <laughs> That's true. Christmas Invasion is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's we really, really enjoyed good it. We, we really watched. enjoyed watching that. Yeah. Um, do you want to guess what this story got in terms of viewing figures? Um, ooh, 
So this is 1984 yeah. New Doctor. So that might be a bit of a ratings bump. Obviously, coming off of a creative high with Caves. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be generous and I'm gonna say seven million. Seven point four. Wow. For part one, uh, dropping to six point three for part, part four. Not a crazy drop off. No, not. But at you've all. lost one point three million yeah. across that time, and one point. Th- and the drop off between part three and four is was really bad. Seven hundred thousand people dropped out between part three. Right. And part four. Yeah. Now, in this context of telly these days, that's like a death nail. Yeah. Like, I mean, to get 700,000 on a show mm. is, you know, not great, yeah. but, you know, that's like kind of average Channel 5 viewing figures, something yeah. like that, Channel 4 sometimes. But, like, that's a really quite significant drop off. For primetime BBC. For primetime BBC in a day's difference between yeah. part yeah, three and four. Yeah, my gosh. That's 700,000 people that have gone. Not watching this. <laughs> Not watching the rest of this. I've wasted my time. And it took you to part three to realise that. I mean, that. to be fair, you know, they they tried. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Let's get into good it. Good on them. <laughs> Let, good, good on them. Let's get, let's, let's get into it. Um, the only kind of real <gasps> highlight for me watching it this time was Gen- Dennis Chittery's in it. Garmin from Genesis. Yes, he is. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Says he's the dad. Apparently yeah, yeah. he was a late replacement for somebody who couldn't do it. Right. But he walked in and heard his voice. Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dennis Chinnery. Fantastic. So that yeah. was a nice little lift. Um, but then Romanus and Remus are also <laughs> there in that scene. Um, and do you want to hear the way that they're described in the script? Go on then. Any idea kind of what they might be fishing for, <sighs> what they might be looking for? If you were to describe these two 14-year-old boys um, who are, you know, just hanging around the house together, not doing anything in particular, how might you describe them? I don't know. Uh, Would you describe on. them as uh, 14-year-old twin children? Yeah, yeah. Dark. Okay, okay. no. Uh, extremely good-looking. I was going to say, is it going to be because of the whole... Greek almost sexually thing. so oh who wrote this story Gary Downey apparently <laughs> um yeah I mean my god this wow that, uh, that what a great way to start things off when you're watching Can you imagine that at the casting um you know just those 14 year olds aren't sexy enough for this story do you know what I mean though who wrote that Jesus Ugh. I I don't think I mean um Anthony Stephen wrote the story he made up some crazy things to try and excuse the fact that the story wasn't coming in on time. One of his most famous excuses was his t- typewriter exploded. It probably got <laughs> bloody confiscated by CID for what he was writing. Good I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised if it spontaneously combusted. It probably just thought, <sighs> this is shit. You're writing on me. I'm out of here. Horrendous. Anyway, so let's I mean, we'll talk about Romulus and Remus. I, I mean, they're fine. I don't think they're as bad as people make them out no. to be. They're child actors. This is the thing. I was watching it and I was thinking, you know, they're 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 not they're not actors really you know there's one moment where i thought actually they that's not too bad which was in episode two when it's just the two of them and they're like oh i'm scared romulus blah, 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 blah. and i thought that's actually quite a nice moment you know that's actually some, some proper drama going on here i did not write on plot. that line i, I, I went tell your face because yeah, like i mean that's, that, that's the problem it doesn't reach their faces and obviously yeah. in neither of them no. you know <laughs> and it doesn't help that they're identical twins no. so no. you cut to one for a reaction shot thinking this might be slightly better and it's like it's exactly the you same face well just put a mirror up to one, one person Literally. um but you know i was thinking about it and i was like well you know child actors are hit or miss in anything harry potter is obviously a big one um 
in terms of Doctor Who, those two kids from like Nightmare and Silver. You oh know, yeah. Universally loathed by all. You know, at least they're not. You know, at least Romulus and Remus are just shit actors. They're not right. like irritating characters. Right. You know. Well, this is actually a point I wanted to make because I think the main thing we probably need to talk about at the start is Colin's character as, yes. as the sixth doctor yeah that's the big one isn't because it? it really did put me in the same mindset not quite to the same degree in terms of what he does physically obviously to perry yeah but the way that the the 12th doctor was originally written as this really unpleasant yeah. person to be around and there's nothing redeeming about him no and there's absolutely nothing redeeming about the sixth doctor in this story no. until that last scene yes which i will will come back to later but yeah like he is just unbearable to watch this, this character yes. it's no reflection because colin's doing Colin what's written down the yeah, page yeah. and what he is doing he's committing to it yeah and he's doing it very well yeah. and doing it in a very committed manner but it's not pleasant to watch no at all i think it's quite funny because you see him his first scene where he's, you know, looking at himself in the mirror and all that stuff, he's brilliant. All that stuff's Lo- really nice. That. Yeah. And then, you know, you have the moment in the in the TARDIS wardrobe where he has his first fit. And initially, like, when I was watching it, I was like, you know, this is actually a really cool idea. This mm. is, you know, they've obviously thought, right, you know, we've had, we've done this five times now. What can we do to make it more interesting? And I think the idea of the Doctor's regeneration going wrong in a different way, obviously Cast Revolver is a bit, it goes a bit wrong, but, you know, for it to feel like some sort of trauma, I think that's quite a cool idea. Unfortunately, Absolutely. it's just the way they go with it. And I think, I was sort of thinking to myself, like, oh, they could have done something really interesting, like, you know, unfortunately, again, it would have been a bit too Cast Revolver, but could they have taken the Doctor somewhere to recuperate? Could he have gone to, like, some sort of a an asylum or something and you know, the, sto- the story could be something like oh there's something going on that the doctor knows and he's trying to warn people but they're like no he's just a he's just mad and then like you know by episode four he's i suppose that's the problem he's- though is that you want to see the new doctor as soon as possible yeah and i feel like we only really see colin as the Doctor that we know now, even just even through Big Finish or through later kind of TV stories or whatever, yeah. when there's I mentioned it in my notes. There's a scene near, I think it's in part three or part four, where they they look at the gastropod eggs. Yes, and he uses the laser scalpel or yeah. whatever it is to have a look at it. And the way he's talking about it, and the way he's talking about the the kind of imminent peril mm. that they're all in, is really great. Yeah. And so when you when you take the sixth doctor out of that hyper craziness yeah. and the post traumatic or post regeneration kind of trauma and stuff, he you know it's just lovely seeing him be doctory yeah. and doing exp- Colin's great at exposition. Yeah, he's really really good at all the techno babble. Yeah, um, probably one of the better doctors mm. at just reaming off. Yeah. you know reeling off all this all this techno babble. You stuff. believe it, don't you? He's at, he, he's utterly committed to it, and yeah. he's, he really is the best thing in this. And Nicola Bryant's great and as well. Fe- but I think he feels like you know the voice and stuff. He feels like he is a learned individual. You know, he feels professorial mm. in that way. He feels like some sort of a teacher. That does get on my nerves a little bit, though. Oh, really? It's 
all the 17th and 18th century literature that he's quoting yeah, through it. It's like nothing annoying. nothing interests six-year-olds or gets yeah, them on side yeah, more yeah. than quoting whatever Longhorn or whatever yeah, he calls yeah. him. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all that stuff, isn't it, when he's coming out of the TARDIS and he's yeah. like, oh, oh, bloody hell. It's I just, looked, I was like, I, I had to check Pip and Jane Baker didn't write this because they write a lot of that sort of stuff yes, into their stories. very much so. All the, all the, um, the kind of mottos and catchphrases yeah, that yeah. he doesn't quite get right. Yes. He does a couple of those in this story story and i thought god pip and jane must have been taking notes like yeah. this is it's not far away from what no. they would end up doing with him yeah you know it, and I, I i was kind of shocked when i looked at the thing again and went this is a pip and jane story isn't it and mainly because anthony stephen what's he ever done before yeah and never worked on the show again no no um that was something else i picked up on actually was that he'd never actually written anything original for telly anthony right stephen he was very good at adapting stories because eric saywood is talking to him and saying, look, this, this, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, sending notes back, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Eric Saywood apparently rewrote a large portion of this. Mm. Does it come across as a better story? Is, are there things you notice in it that are particularly Saywoody? No, not really. I don't think he rescues the script. No, but I don't I think mean, that's a particularly great look on him that mm, he can't lift it, you know. Yeah. But I mean we already know that behind the scenes, you know, he wasn't particularly enamored with no. Colin's casting. Yes, that's a whole thing as well. You know, I don't think he was particularly keen on the idea of the doctor being unpleasant and unlikable. Which which is quite right because yeah. it doesn't come across well at all. It, it doesn't work. And I was well I was watching it I was thinking this was just it was an it was a a cool idea maybe for part 1. But for the whole story, it becomes it, uh, no way. No, and I, I got it as well when we were when we when we were watching uh, Trial of a Time Lord. Yeah, in Mind Warp, when he kind of gets his head fried. Yeah, and he's playing for the other side. I was like, that we've we've I thought we've got over this. Yeah, and it makes it so unbearable to watch. It's yeah. not nice. It's not good viewing when no. the Doctor's being horrible. Yeah, or when the Doctor is, you know, you know that I've got to sit through three 25 minute episodes of this now yeah and he's just going to be like this the whole time and then it gets to like part three and part four and he's still being all cowardly and yeah going, oh no no take her it's you awful know? yeah it's so and awful to watch is it is it any wonder that it lost those viewers because i mean no. you know i can completely understand why people would be like crikey if this is what it's going to be like no not for me thank you very much bye I can understand it. Mm. It's such a shame as well, because again, like it's not like Colin's embod- embodying that character and he's only yeah. playing that character. Yeah. And, you know, the stuff he wanted to do with it that he never got the opportunity no. to do because he's being weighed down by this awful script. And, yeah. and again, like you say, flat direction. Yeah. And it does just, it, it conspires to just make this yeah. a really painful watch. And it's, and it's painful in hindsight, knowing how little time he had on the show. Yeah. And it's like, you're ruining it by giving him this story. Yeah. This screen time is being given away to this script. Yeah. And he's so great. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a real, real shame. And it's mad to think, you know, that when we flash forward to Deep Breath, obviously the 12th Doctor is nowhere near as bad as the 6th Doctor in that respect. But it does make you wonder... You know, what were they thinking? Did they not? Did they not learn from what happened in 1983 or whatever year it was? I think Stephen Moffat probably stopped watching the show at that point. He was probably rejecting the idea yeah. of Doctor Who as a whole because it, you know he never talks very fondly about the 
80s no, not at all. era of the show. No. I mean, does, does he ever talk fondly about the programme when he's not writing it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so, and, and the other thing we need to talk about, we've kind of skirted around it, but it's the uh, physical assaulting of Perry. Yeah. And not just in that first part. I've got some behind the scenes stuff as well, um, which we probably want to talk about. Right. <laughs> um, but I mean, what, what do you make of it all? Because it is, it's... I mean, it's a shocking moment. Yeah. I don't dislike it, I've got to say. And I actually think it's probably the, the most interestingly directed bit with the, of the whole story with the mirror. Um, and I think that's that's what annoys me. I was thinking, watching it, it's like, if you had someone like Graham Harper directing this story, just the stuff like when he collapses into the, um, into the, into the wardrobe, into all the clothes, and he has that little moment where he's like, oh, the g- grinding engines of eternity, whatever that was... Um, you think, oh God, he would have brought the camera in really close and it would have gone all squiffy. He'd have done seen some really interesting stuff with it. And you could have seen the regeneration yeah, kind well, of yeah, yeah. haze that you get there in Amazon. so much you could have done with that. And it, it kind of, is, I mean, obviously I guess they've done it in Castrovolva, but thinking about it, it's like, you know, you have that bit in um, Androzani where you have the master sort of saying, oh, no, my dear doctor, you must die. And you almost sort of think, oh, could couldn't this have been some sort of a master story? Couldn't the master have done something to make him go mental? That would rather have been really than, cool. Rather than just, he's mad for the sake of it. And yeah, I don't mind the, the strangling of Perry, but I think there needed to be... In general, <laughs> in not general, just yeah. in this story. <laughs> um, I, I, I just think that if you were going to do that today, you would have so much more of a repercussion. I think, the, I think this is yeah. the thing... And I guess this again going back to deep breath. What deep breath does well is that it gives you this sense of the doctor is a man that has changed so much and he needs Clara's help. And Clara sort of feels like, well, I kind of owe it to him because I, you know, she basically fancied the 11th doctor. Yeah. And you almost want to have that sort of drama of Perry thinking like, I fancied the fifth doctor. I think there's, you know, she obviously fancied the well, fifth she even doctor. Says, and you, she says it, doesn't well, you she? you were nice and you were yeah, sweet yeah, and all know, that stuff. Yeah. And, and she, like, there's that line where, when she's like, I've got to live with this face. Yeah. It's like, if I was Connor, I'd go, cheers. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> a bunch. What a horrible thing to say. Yeah. And I think, that, and this is what I, this is what I think is really, they should have, they should have played on that. They should have played on the fact that, gosh, this guy isn't the guy that I liked, but he, I nearly died. And he he basically killed himself to save me. And he is this way because he saved my life. And, you know, I owe it to him. Or, you know, there, there's there's drama to be had there. And it just doesn't come across. It just, it, it d- just descends into... Oh, I don't like what you're wearing. Well, I don't like what you're wearing. Oh, well, I don't like the way you cook those muffins or those rolls <laughs> in the kitchen. Oh, well, neither do I. It is the married couple, and that just descends into all of season twenty-three. I know. I mentioned that. I think I in, in that final <laughs> in that fa- fake fan in that yeah. final scene. I made that mistake last episode as well. I think um, in that final scene when Romulus and Remus are on board the TARDIS. Yeah. And Perry and the Sixth Doctor are still they're arguing still with each other, it, yeah. and they're both stood there like. You know, feckless looking. I know, I know. And I I just, yeah, I I will, I'll give you this little tidbit because I felt really uncomfortable watching the Perry Sixth Doctor physical violence strangling stuff. I think just watching it now, it's it's really unpleasant to watch. It is. I think what what that needed was there needed to be something else later in the story where the Doctor really stepped up and saved her from something and really sort of, you know, Yes. 
cemented to her that, okay, you are the same man. And that wasn't just... Because there's nothing until that, I'm the doctor, whether you like it or not. And they smile at each other. And that's really lovely. But... Everything Why that, on earth is she still there? This is it. You, you know, she, I've got to live with this I'm, face. No, you don't. Yeah. He's clearly a dreadful person to be around. <laughs> I would stick it on the planet of the slugs and the, bir- <laughs> the birdmen. <laughs> Leave him there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I found it really uncomfortable, but I did get some solace in this. So apparently when Colin and Nicola first met, there was a bit of frostiness between them because oh, I think really? Nicola felt a bit pressured. This is just from stuff that I've read on the internet, okay. I, you know, about being the senior kind of in the role she's been on the show for longer than Colin yeah and I think she felt a little bit of pressure I think Colin maybe mistook that for being a bit standoffish or a bit whatever so to lighten the mood during camera rehearsals for the scene where he's hugging her waist yeah he bit her ass what um and apparently that broke the tension I'm sure it was all taken in great you know, oh, it's, I, it's I, 19, bet he, I bet he did the dirty old sod. It's 1984. I've, I've seen the Colin Baker years. Uh, oh. Every time he talks about a female <laughs> member of the cast, it's like, oh yeah, she was all right. I mean, we've all seen what was it, the Air Zone Solution? Yes, where they get they get their rocks off. Um, and so then, apparently, Colin and Kevin McNally both decide this is absolutely hilarious what they've done, and they decide to have a bite Nicola Bryant's ass competition through the rest of the production, at least for the rest of that day. Um, you'll all be very happy to report that Nicola Bryant punched Kevin McNally in the face. Really? That is amazing. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Let's just put that But well, he's in series 13, isn't he, this year? Oh my God, this is, oh, we fucked it up. Oh. Someone at bloody Daily Whatever is going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh yeah, Kevin McNally, oh, we'll get all this dirt out on him. Hey, look, it was 1984... Like, if... Oh, God. You've opened up a real kind of worm <laughs> Don't excuse him. Quick, go to break now. Go, go, go. Can we have a shoe update? I, I'm just wearing the same shoes. The same shoes? It's the same shoes. I mean, I can... How have they... Yeah, I think we need to... I think we need to see them. Um, has the sock situation... Yes, the socks! I've, I've got... I've got Doctor Who socks on today. Oh, TARDIS socks. Brilliant. Special. Brilliant. Um, and, and, and I mean, everybody loves them. Yeah, people like them, so. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, obviously I, wrong. I, I saw an old um, college uh, teacher, a friend of mine, uh, a little while ago. Yeah. Literally, like, a couple of days after I got them, and he looked at them and went, oh, those are nice. Very snazzy. Yeah, he, he was. He was like, oh, they're good, aren't they? I was like, oh, cheers. <laughs> um... Great. Well, you know, I, I'm, we, one of our iTunes reviews was headlined Matt's shoes. Yeah, I so that, I, <laughs> there we go. They've become a law unto themselves. I'm glad that I'm glad that everybody's enjoying them. Um, should we talk about Mestor and his plot? Because I think that bears some conversation. Uh, I actually, well, okay, Mestor, as a design, as a monster, he looks absolutely horrendous. <laughs> He's an owl slug. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know why no. he's so bad. But, I know. You know, and nothing against the guy playing him. I think the guy playing him does a, a very good job of trying to be a scary monster yeah. with what he's got to work with. Unfortunately, that the, the whole look and appearance just doesn't work. I think the idea of a slug, slug gastropod. Yeah. Very and, you cool. Know, the stuff about or getting your feet stuck in the slime that was great that's like that's like a doctor who monster yeah. thing yeah you know that's that's cool that works really well like all that uh, yeah unfortunately he doesn't look very good plot wise mm. his his idea to um you know shift the planets around blow up the sun and send all these eggs hurling through the universe i actually don't mind that i think is as a doctor who baddie plot it's 
ridiculous and over the top. Mm -hmm. Fine. What I will say, though, is the Jacondans, they look really good. Do you think? I think they do. Do you? I think they look quite interesting. Okay. I think, they, well, I mean, maybe not their outfits, but the makeup, I think, is really good. I like the sort of featheriness and the... I, I couldn't quite work out what they're supposed to be. because they're like Birdmen, aren't they? Yeah. I, 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 I forget the name of the main one. Drac, is it? Uh, There's that weird... When he gets, like, psychically attacked. Oh, yeah. Goes, ah! Oh, yeah, he calls, doesn't he? I like that. I was like, I okay, like... well, they're trying to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're trying to look into em- it. Death by embolism. <laughs> Um, it's so random. It what? is bizarre. Of all the things. I know. Uh, embolism. Embolism, why not? He is an OP Doctor Who monster. He really is. He can fry someone's mind via telekinesis yeah. or telepathy or whatever from at least half a mile away. Yeah. Why isn't everyone dead? I know. This is the... Like, on paper, he is, like, up there with Sutek. I, I, when you think about it. Literally. And, like, he's, like, talking to bloody... Um, Asmel from across space you know, know. he's on that spaceship and he's on Draconda one thing I did find really funny about that is when he was like I will show you my mental power <laughs> yeah. and he picks Asmel yeah. to meld minds with it's like we've he's like clearly not very well yeah he's a really bad example yeah. like he's 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 sick he's been in a rejuvenation chamber the whole and, and episode I, and I guess that's the thing isn't it really because otherwise you would think well hang on if he can just mind meld with this old git then right. why can't he just take over the brain of uh, you know know the twins dad and he'd just be like come on boys well, we're going out for a trip <laughs> to jaconda or just like read their minds and, and just get, get the, information. the formula or the yeah. maths or whatever um originally in the script apparently um the jacondans and mestor and and the gastropods are just apparently dropped near the end of part four for no reason whatsoever right um, and it's revealed that there is another creature called aslan that is actually in control of mestor and the doctor fights him in a different dimension what and obviously that was cut obviously i can imagine obviously, eric Taylor just thinking this story is bad enough as it is we I do know. not need to add anything else into the mix um do you want to know who mestor is he's been in doctor who before that's <laughs> really mm. I'll find his name uh, in my list. He, uh, Ed, I saw, he, he it's was, Edwin Richfield. So the name does not doesn't no. really mean anything. He was on Twitter the other day because the Eagle Moss's Mestor figurine came out, and he is got, Edwin Richfield on Twitter, and he was on there, and is he was he? like, "Oh, I can't believe a, a, a character that I played thirty years ago is now." Well, made he's as a figurine. actually probably more iconic and um, in Doctor Who fandom liked oh. for playing another character in Doctor Who. You won't. You probably won't know, and I and I wouldn't. I mean, he's under all the latex, yeah, yeah. and it's not yeah, like yeah. you can hear it in his voice. No, he's Captain Hart from the Sea Devils. Captain Hart. He's the main captain of the sea fort of the of the naval base. Oh, really? Yeah, it's him. He is the, the, the kind of drawn, kind of gauntish-looking bloke with. Yeah, that's that's him. Really? I, I IMDb says so. Oh, I don't. I think that's wrong. I, I, apparently, it is him. Apparently, Edwin Richfield. Have have a quick Google while I, I tell you a few other tell me casting some more facts. facts. I need to find out this. Uh, one of the gastropods is Stephen Wickham, who is the Gelf bride in uh, <laughs> in Polymorph Two Emohawk. Excellent. Uh, or Emohawk Polymorph Two, and um, Graham Cole is one of the Jacondans, who is PC Tony Stamp in in the bill. Oh, really? And previously in Doctor Who, do you know the other the other Doctor Who characters he played? He was I mean, he's predominantly cyber, monsters. He was Cyberman, wasn't he? And Cy- he was Cyberman in uh, Earthshock and the Five Doctors. Right. He's also uh, Melka 
Yes, he was Malcolm, in, wasn't he? In uh, the Keeper Keep of and yeah. Time Flight. And was also a Marsh Man in Full Circle. Oh. Besides a few other sort of bit parts and uh, other, like other background. There's some... There's a a grief, ca- yeah. Cool. yeah. It's him, yeah. Matt's, Matt has Googled it. He's, I just cannot believe that. It's him, yeah. For I mean, other people would have Googled it. You'll know the character. If you know the sea levels, you'll know, you'll know him. May, maybe the... No, he's died. So, so who the hell was the guy on? <laughs> is, somebody, is somebody impersonating <laughs> Edwin Richfield on? Maybe he just did the voice. But he was cast for his voice. But I get the impression it's him in the in outfit. In the costume, yeah. Man. Oh, if anyone knows, this is a... IMDB said it. We'll put it out there. I mean, if people I, I know any differently. I looked it up on Doctor Who TARDIS Wiki. Okay. And they said that. So I don't know. People on Twitter, let us know because this know. is this is a mystery that I need to be solved. Um, now, I I mentioned at the beginning one of the things that I found really frustrating watching this story is that it will introduce something of two two things in particular that you think that's actually quite cool, yeah, and then it will immediately bollocks it up. <laughs> right. For example, in part two, I think it is when uh, they're escaping the pod. Is it the, no? No, sorry. Uh, part two's cliffhanger. Yeah, is the thing exploding? The thing going up? Yeah. Uh, Perry's in the TARDIS because she's been transmatted there. Yeah. And they introduce the idea that he's shifted in time. The yeah. Doctor shifted in time, uh, but because his watch is ten sec or Perry's watch has stopped, stopped. That's right. Yeah. So he was ten seconds ahead. Yeah. So he lands in the TARDIS, and Perry and Lang aren't in there. So theoretically, yeah. if it's 10 seconds of the future, yeah, the, the, they should have been there. Yeah, that always bugs me. So it's like, that's a cool idea. Yeah. And they immediately bollocks it up. Yeah. Uh, that was really frustrating. I, I thought the same thing when, when I watched it. I was like, well, surely they ought to be there. Now that is a hangover from, I think the, the original title was A Stitch in Time. Right. Um, so I, there was obviously going to be a lot more playing around with time and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but naturally, when we get to the end of the story and they mention bringing the planets in orbit and the doctor's yeah. like, well, how are you going to do that? Yeah. And they mention slipping the two planets into a different it, time that, stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, a cool idea. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. No. And it's mentioned in one line of dialogue and nobody ever refers to it again. Right, yeah. Now, the frustrating part about the planets idea, because it kind of put me in mind of um, playing pool with planets in Red in, Dwarf. Yeah. Very similar to that. And, you know, it's going to get into the gravitational pull of the sun and so on. But that's not actually how orbits work anyway right now i know this is a nitpicking thing yeah 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 but it's nothing to do with the size or the of the actual object it's the mass so it might be that the planets the smaller planets might actually be heavier than than jaconda right yeah it's got nothing to do with their size dragging them into the sun but it's just endemic of of this story it's just every time it does something that you're like oh seconds later you're like oh i think it just it just goes to show that Eric had had, had enough. I think so. You know, it was... I, cli- I don't blame him. It, it was clearly a very troubled script. I'm shocked, really, that he didn't write the opening story for the Doctor. Well, he was... So, apparently, he was... He was he'd angling... Done, he'd done Resurrection, hadn't he? Yeah, that and year, I think so there's he, still a thing about yeah, you can't be a script editor and actually yeah, have a credit. So, he'd had his... He'd had his story for the year, Tell Paul, Tell Paula more of that. You know, um, or Ian Levine. Yeah, um, yeah. It, I, I think that it's fair to say, Eric Sayward as a writer had his time in the sun with Earthshock. Yeah, and Resurrection of the Daleks. Yeah. Besides that, 
the tonal inconsistencies, the whiplash from season to season in the mm. 80s, especially like, okay, the, you know, it, 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 one of the things that knit, knit it together are the design. I mean, in this story, obviously not because it looks crap. Yeah. But the music is very spangly, very 80s. It's Malcolm Clark doing the music. Malcolm Clark. I was going to say, I quite like the organ music that he adopts as the like sixth the Doctor's sixth Doctor's theme. theme. Yeah, I like that. And the, it, the, the callback to Resurrection when he mentions Tegan. Yeah, that's Love, really the nice motif. That he brings that back. Yeah. But Eric Saywood, you know, as script editor for the show, I mean, he probably fixed a lot of scripts. Yeah. Um, but I'd really love to know how much of this he wrote yeah. or rewrote or whatever. The the only redeemable feature is Colin um, and Nicola, to be fair. I think, I think Nicola, Nicola, Nicola is doing everything she possibly yeah. can to kind of stabilize Perry's position in the story yeah. because she could have played it like, I really don't want to be here because that you look at the dialogue and you think that could be played yeah. as I'm done by the end of the story. It, yeah. And I'm going to leave you and the TARDIS and blah, 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 which she probably ought to have it, yeah. done given the way that the Sixth Doctor treated her. There's nothing redeemable about their relationship in that story. But then this is the thing that I found with that final scene in the TARDIS is there's a glimmer of hope in there. Yeah. And they, we know that they're great. And their chemistry on, sc- on screen, even when the unpleasant stuff is happening, is very good. Yes. Um. But beyond that final scene, there is absolutely nothing in this story that if I was if I was on floor six at Television Centre in the BBC and I watched that, there is nothing in this that would give me hope to think, yeah, we should keep this running. I know this is the problem. You, you look at it and you just think it's it's passe. It's just it it's such a why are we wasting our money on this? Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the story they looked at and went, we're still making this. Yeah. It's, this is like what it was when I was 20 years younger. It's Worse. not moved on. Well, literally. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a shame, especially placed where it is in yeah. the history of the show, what was going on with the production behind mm. the scenes, and obviously what happens with, with Colin's dismissal and all of that stuff. But as part of this kind of relaunch of the review of death the point is we'll find things yeah. in these stories that are generally considered to be not very good and this yeah. is not a very good story obviously um we'll find things to like in them yeah and so my my thing would obviously be colin it's just colin isn't it yeah it, it's he's brilliant in it yeah and he's the only thing in it that you could class as as brilliant yeah i think really. that's it isn't it even even when he's being unlikable you know and you're like oh god i really don't like this doctor Mm. you know even then he is the thing that your eyes are drawn to and no not because not of the just code, because of the outfit just because of <laughs> yeah. his acting yeah. you know it's just he is he's giving it his all um and i think yeah when you get to the end by in that final confrontation with him and mestor and it, I, he he does a really good job he really sells it you know you really do think oh yeah he's i can see his doctor here exactly you know and it's just a shame that he's just had three episodes of all this baggage. Um, yeah, it's... it's. And then the, the, the worst thing is to think that J&T was like, oh, yeah, we want this story to be the story that makes people want to come back. I'm worried that people won't come back and watch it. You know, and this was the story. And it's like, my God, if that is... If that is the, like the death knell for the programme... I don't know what is. It's it's the last episode of the season. Yeah. 
there's a nine month gap now yeah. until Attack of the Cybermen. Yeah. This is not an advert no. to suggest you should come back and carry on watching yeah. the show. It's it's it, it, yeah. absolutely Russell T Davis said it in X, um, uh, SFX. This is the beginning of the end of Doctor Who. Yeah. This story. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, people will say, well, Sylvester was the Doctor when it ended, so he must be responsible for it being cancelled. Mm. This is a show that has completely run out of ideas. Yeah. JNT absolutely should have left at this point. Yeah. Because nothing that comes from him, in my opinion, obviously we don't know full creative license on who yeah. puts what in and who kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah. They've run out of ideas. Yeah. It's just treading water. And you get, you, you your first Doctor's script is written by somebody who <laughs> has never written for Doctor Who before, yeah. fine. People have come into the show and never written for the show before, never even written sci-fi before, and they've yeah. excelled. But he hasn't even written anything original, apparently. He's no. only written adaptations of classical literature and drama. Yeah. And it really shows. It shows. Um, it's, it's paralyzingly strange that this is what they put out and yeah. thought they'd get away with it or what yeah. like what was what, what were they thinking i mean this is the thing like you know in hindsight you're like oh you know they should have given it to a safe pair of hands like bob holmes um but of course we know that jnt was very adamantly against using old writers for whatever reason you know and especially after bob holmes had just written a bloody brilliant story right you think oh crikey get Terence Dix on the phone. He he knows how to introduce a doctor. Look at robot. I, I have know. to say, I think that there is. I mean, that argument comes up now. Yeah. But I think there is, of course, that thing when you go, well, look, if you, if 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 Uncle Terence was still alive, you know, you you couldn't get him to write a forty-five minute or fifty-minute no. episode of Jodie series. Oh no, it just not at all. It wouldn't yeah. work. And I thoroughly believe that. I think Bob Holmes is a great outlier yeah in that he kept coming back through the show through many different iterations whoever yeah. was producing it and you know with the exception of like the crotons yeah always pulled in at least yeah a half decent script oh yeah um if not all great i, I think that's it you know to a degree the, the the stories like the sun makers it's let down as a production not because of the script mm. and not because of the actors mm. but because of the way it looks you know there's no money there and it just looks bad and i mean we'll get to that i'm sure at some point at some point and and i was really surprised when i was doing my notes ahead of um our recording for um, underworld that yeah. it's bob baker and dave martin yeah i completely forgotten they'd written that I'd story that as well. and it's like they all have duds yeah they all have duds are you hiring anthony stephen because he can turn a script round quickly yeah well he can't no um, are you hiring Anthony Stephen because he's got a pedigree for writing drama yeah. and you want this doctor to be, you know, big and dramatic and showmany and, yeah. you know, really theatrical and blah, blah, blah. Fine. But that might come across in the script and Colin does a good job with it. Yeah. But you actually have to have a story there as well. And, you know, what we said about the direction, I think it's fair to say it's it's really rudderless and yeah. flat the design is not very good but it's the script that sinks it it's, that is the problem and i think you know when you think of something like say attack of the cybermen you think that would have been i mean attack of the cybermen is an okay story i don't mind it at all it's just you know it's just an average run of the mill and it's, and it's that kind of cathartic sayward grimness yeah that, you know, is all right in bits and bobs, but that's the tonal whiplash I, I was yeah. talking about earlier. Like, and, and you sort of think, oh, you know, if Attack of the Cybermen had been the introductory story for that Doctor, it would have worked so much better because, you know, you could have had your Doctor been a bit 
Doolally or whatever, but you would have the security of, well, we've got a, a very successful monster, um, especially you know, Cybermen at that point were massive. So it just it does just baffle me to think, why would you commission someone like that? But then again, they do it in the following season. They get someone like Glenn McCoy to write Time Lash. They just didn't learn their lesson. And that is just appalling. But Eric Sayward always said, he said, it is very difficult to find people who knew how to write for Doctor Who. And it's it's evident. It's evident in these couple of seasons in particular. And to be honest, I don't really think that most of Peter Davison's stuff story-wise, is that good? Me and Johnny, I were, agree. We, me and Johnny were talking about um, if, if, if we were talking about possible collection sets in the future, and we said, oh, season 20 is the one that keeps getting mentioned. And I said, oh, God, I said, I'm kind of dreading that season. I said, because none of the stories in that season are particularly good. They're just sort of like, oh, that's all right. Ark of Infinity, it's okay. Mordred Undead, it's okay. Snake Dance, it's okay. I quite like Terminus. Terminus is quite good. Uh, Enlightenment is fine. It's fine. It's quite cerebral. It's you know. I mean, I, it sometimes it puts me, puts me to sleep. Well, yeah. King's Demons is just just mad, um, and it's just like yeah. There's just really, it's just it's just there's not really there's nothing there. There's no, no and especially after like season nineteen, which has got such a real yeah massive burst of energy until you get to something like Time Flight, mm. and then it's like. Oh, you know, do we trace it back to time flight? Is that is when that where it, it where starts it, going a bit? Oh, it's all going a bit wrong here. I, I I think it will be really. I'm really looking forward to doing more Eric Sayward stories yeah. because part of me thinks, look, play the game. I know that you don't really like the stuff that you're working on mm-hmm. and that you think you can make it better, but try and make it better. Yeah, but because then you get to yeah, Attack of the Cybermen, and it's like. Is this this is the story the kind of Doctor Who that Eric Sayward thinks it should be? Yeah. Same with Earthshock, you know. Same with Resurrection of the Daleks, but it's so morose. Mm. And even so, when you get a story that you know, and he he's you know, they always say like, oh, he's the prodigy of like of of um, Rob, Holmes, Rob, yeah. Rob Holmes, or you know, he was more of like an apprentice yeah. character or whatever. It, it, it's just. I, I, part of me just feels like just just play the game. Mm. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna get your way. Yeah. Stop. You because you're actually damaging the show's continuity in terms of mood yeah. and stuff like that by just suddenly shifting to we're gonna have a story where you know Lipton gets his hands crushed yeah. by Cybermen. Comparing that to this, yes. Okay, it might be somebody else's cup of tea, but it's not consistent. Mm. And, and, and the, for me, yeah. You know, the eighties, the whole tenure until you get to Sill. When yeah. things start to stabilise, because yeah. you've got, you know, um, Andrew Cartmel in, and he's yeah. not really fighting no. JNT. I think by that point, JNT is just. Oh, he's checked out anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know, let me let me sort out the casting, darling, and right, exactly. sort the money out. Leave it with me. I'll get Nick Parsons on the phone. Yeah, you know, we'll get some good people in. But that, because 80s Doctor Who, I've realised, is so not my cup of tea until yeah. you get to Sylvan. Until you get to yeah. And I think it's because it's just, not just in terms of quality, but in terms of mood, and yeah. it's just all over the place. Yeah. It's just one week, yeah, you've got Earthshock, which is one of my favourite Doctor Who stories of all time. And then, yeah, you get a time flight, or yeah. you get uh, you get a, an Arc of Infinity, yeah. and it's just tonal whiplash. Yeah. And Doctor Who needs somebody steering it in one direction, mm. really. You know, they need to have a clear idea of what they're doing. 
Who do you lay the blame with in that situation? I don't know. Is it Eric Sayward for not relenting and going, let's just play the game and let's just make a decent show with what we've got? Yeah. Because he's tried to do that with this story. Fine, it hasn't paid off, but it's a dreadful script to start with. Do you or do you just keep fighting against your, your producer mm. and say, no, this is what we should be doing? And then yeah. you have a massive falling out. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously scar people for a long time with the way that production worked out and yeah. the bad blood that was there, People never got over that. They still no. haven't got over what was going on back in, in, in those days. And, you know, not just talking about the production, but, you know, other stuff that yeah. has sort of come to light and, and so on. And that's not our place to talk about here. But it's, it's, it is the beginning of the end of the show, this story. And I, I think by that metric, you can't not say it's the worst story of all time. Yeah, see, I was going to, when you said that, you know, it's like, oh, no, there must be something worse than this. And I'm trying to think. Maybe don't contextualise it as the start of it. Or yeah. Fall no. Apart, but I think you can't ignore it. No, know? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I mean, and I think they're probably. I think then in in this respect, I I probably. <laughs> I'm thinking, but I kind of want to watch this more than some of the other some other stories. And yeah, possibly. You know, I might. I would maybe rather watch this than say. In the forest know. of the night. Yeah, or something else from that era. I'm, just, I'm trying to think. Oh God, that bloody a shoulder story oh, with yeah. Rufus Hound in it. That's appalling. But at least that's got like production value. At least that's only forty-five minutes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I wrote that at the start. I was like, this format doesn't work. No. Four-part stories do not work anymore. Thank God they did the forty-five-minute thing the next yeah. year or um, later in the year with with, with the next season. I maybe maybe I'm being too harsh on it. You know, it's a, it's a piece of work at the end of the day. Lots of people put a lot of effort into this it. This is the funny thing, but isn't it? It's just yeah. look at it in the context of what's going, what's come before, and what's yeah. coming afterwards. And it feels like a central pivot point yeah. where the show goes from actually trying something different yeah. and producing really great stuff like Case of Androzani to this being the. Every Doctor Who parody mm, is based yes. off of this story. Yeah. The the Perry even makes a reference of all these corridors look the same. Yeah. Mestor and his death. Ricky Gervais takes the Nick out yeah. of in extras. Yeah. Some you know twenty years later yeah. or whatever. The Doctor's costume is parodied in Lenny Henry. Lenny Henry. Everyone. Frederick Saunders. All that. It's his stuff. jacket yeah. with Tom's scarf. Yeah. Everybody parodies. Yeah. The yeah the the, the design of it. Yeah. It just becomes the stick to beat Doctor Who with. Yeah. And it's also brightly lit as well. I mean, uh, save for those bits in like the corridors in Episode Two where yeah. you've got that sort of chiaroscuro lighting mm -hmm. going on through mm -hmm. the through mm -hmm. the vents and stuff, which is like, wow, this looks really good. Why does the rest of it look like primetime Saturday night game show TV? It's so it's a, brightly lit. Yeah, like it's so and, brightly and lit. The, I completely forgot about like the police station, which is like 1970s esque. Ah, oh, it's panel it's bloody UFO. I know it looks ridiculous. It's space 1999. And Dennis Cherry doesn't turn up again. There's no, no, there's no, and, and they mentioned the mum. Yeah, she's off screen, and they all hate her. Yeah, even Dennis Cherry is like. I know your mum's a bit of a, you know, <laughs> so of a lag, but, you know, literally, but you know, you've got to get on with her because yeah. she's your mum. 
just because she's biologically related to us doesn't mean we have to show her affection. Yeah. That, <laughs> that just because this show is biologically attached to my favourite programme of all time does not mean that I yeah. can't say it's the worst story <laughs> sister. It's just awful. Oh, um, I think that's a good, good end line there. Yeah, I was quite proud of that. Um, but does it get any better in a fortnight's time? So yes, of course. So you voted. It has to. It has to. <laughs> so you voted for Underworld. Yeah. As our next story. So I, I mean, can I just say as well? And maybe I need to reword it. But everybody saying, "Got, we've got to get them to review Time Flight." You can rig the vote if you want, but that means you have to vote for either one of the other two. Yeah. Because Time Flight was getting lots of votes. Yeah. So just to say, I'll, maybe I'll reword it. Or yeah. Something. I think I'll reword it. But for the, for this one and for the Time Flight vote, it was your the least bad one. Yeah. Maybe we need to just go for which one do you think is the worst. So I didn't really want to say yeah, that because it seems really incendiary. It does, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm actually quite looking forward to watching it. Me too. Because it's one of those stories where I always forget what is really going on in the plot. And I, it's one of, again, it's one of those stories that I just sort of switch off mm. and I'm doing other things and then, oh, it's the end. Good. On to the next story, whatever yeah. that is. Um, a bit like you said this one. A bit like this one. Same sort of thing. And but it's got your favourite doctor. It's got my favourite doctor in, you know. It's, like I said, it's Bob uh, Baker and Dave Martin, good writers. Leela, very good. K9, very good. You know, it's, there, there should be something good to come out of this, surely. Surely. Other than, other than shocking colour separation overlay. Well, we, we've got that and much more to explore in a fortnight's time. Yeah. So not next Monday, but the Monday afterwards. You'll see, I mean, that's completely irrelevant if you're watching this like a year ahead yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, the next episode of the Review of Death podcast or the Review of Death, a Doctor Who podcast yeah. uh, is uh, Underworld Yeah, with Tom Baker, uh, Louise Jameson and John Leeson. Yes. Which Thank is you. very exciting. Yeah. Sorry. I just no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just speaking just because I need to get the taste out of, of, of <laughs> Twitter around my mouth. Thank you very much for listening or watching, and we'll see you again next time. Bye bye. Hey.